Why do we exist? Were we created with a purpose? Or are we just here by chance? What are we to believe about life, faith, and worldview? Welcome to The Universe Next Door, focusing on answers to the questions we all consider. The Universe Next Door is supported by the C.S. Lewis Society, Trinity College of Florida, and supported by gifts from listeners just like you. Discover more resources and continue the conversation at apologetics.org. And now, your host, the research professor of Bible and theology at Trinity College of Florida, author and speaker, Dr. Tom Woodward. Well, we are excited today to be jumping into the depths of a philosophical system that became very, very popular when I was in college. And that philosophical system, uh, well, actually it was even before I was in college. Uh, Nick Shauna, I think you and I have been discussing this system, existentialism. Yeah. How is your ex- existence today? Are you having I a think ha- pleasant it's good. existence? If it exists, it's good. <laughs> yeah, you exist. I observe you. <laughs> I see uh, with my eyes. I hear with my ears. And you are looking great. Okay, how is uh, how how is your wife? How are you and your wife doing? She is fantastic. We're what getting is... ready for Christmas, so. Ah, woohoo! Yeah, Christmas is just the around the corner. Yeah, it's very exciting. You know, Christmas and New Year. What a great time of year! And we just finished with Thanksgiving, just uh, you know, a week and a half, whatever, two weeks ago, and we're excited to be back here in the saddle in Trinity College of Florida. We've got so much happening here. For those of you who are listening up in the Northeast or the Northwest or somewhere in between. Uh, we would invite you to take advantage of the opportunities that are coming up in February, February 3rd uh, through the 8th. Actually, it's Monday is the 3rd, 2nd is Sunday. That's Super Bowl Day. And so Bob, basically that whole week, going on through Saturday, we have 40-plus events called Illuminate the Bay. And so the C.S. Lewis Society is seeking to, by God's grace and strength and provision, to illuminate with the, the good news, the biblical message of Christ, and all that flows from Scripture, all that flows from experiencing the Lordship of Christ in our daily lives, to let that shine out across the greater Tampa Bay area. By the grace of God, we have this wonderful relationship with Ravi Zacharias International Ministry and their amazing team. They have something in the order of 75 or maybe closer to 100 now approved top-notch speakers from around the world. We have eight of those that are slated to fly into Tampa Bay. I will be joining that team, so we'll have a group of nine. Ah, sounds like a baseball team. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, so I don't know if I'll be playing catcher or left field, but... uh, I'll be one of the nine speakers, and we'll be handling 40 events, all of them, pretty much all of them, yes, yeah, I, let me re-say re- that, uh, every single one of the 40 events that are scheduled in Illuminate the Bay from February 2nd through the 9th will be in secular venues, and then in addition, some churches, local churches, will also be hosting some of those same speakers in their, you know, venues, in the pulpit or in a breakout session, maybe a large adult Sunday school class setting or something like that. But if you would like to get all the information about Illuminate the Bay, just uh, contact us here at uh, apologetics.org, our full email address, very, very easy, information, the word information, at apologetics.org. We're so excited to be able to fill you in 
on any bit of information. That goes with any question that may arise from our weekly broadcast. I actually had a very exciting interaction with one of our listeners, a lady in the middle of Pennsylvania uh, from Strasburg, I believe is the name of the city or the area. And she had a question about Buddhism, and we we were able to uh, shoot her some uh, some resources, and she is uh, using that in her own study and ministry there. And so we're so thankful for the opportunity to help listeners and uh, just jot us a quick note there through information at apologetics.org. But uh, indeed, we'd love to have you if you want to fly down and attend. Uh, Some of them are open sessions. Some of them are at business places, but some of them are at restaurants. Some of them are at universities, and there's always plenty of room at the university settings. And uh, there's just a dazzling array of topics that are being covered during that week. Forty events. Woohoo! I can't believe how this has turned out. It is amazing. I know. It was around 30 last time. We were shooting for 30. We were thinking, are we going to get to 30? And then we went beyond 30. We blasted beyond 30, and now we're trying to contain it to 40. When I say contain, I mean, we will probably inch up to 42, 43 when the whole schedule is published. So my hat goes off to the team that has really come on board, the C.S. Lewis Society, the whole Illuminate the Bay team, led by our own president and director, Uh, Dave Engelhart, and uh, in my role as executive director, he has been a dream leader. He's been just a fantastic guy to work with, Uh, just transitioned from um, his position in uh, industry, the world of uh, the corporate world of uh, building uh, materials that he was working with, Saint-Gobain, a world-renowned leading industry in products uh, pertaining to buildings, and now he's building something different. (laughs) in uh, the area of the work of Christ and the kingdom of God here in Tampa Bay and beyond. So we, we thank you so much, Dave Engelhart and you know Kara Kennedy and the whole team that has been working tirelessly here for the last year and more to set up this whole ministry venue of Illuminate the Bay, February 2nd through the 9th here in Tampa Bay and beyond. Uh, just uh, tie in with us if you'd like to. Uh, the ticket prices are, are going to be inching upward, but a good time to, if you want to fly in for a little, a little sunny break here in Florida at that time. Well, today our attention, as we have been working our way through many of the worldviews and understanding them, trying to accurately portray their main beliefs, their commitments, we are trying to work through the major ones as much as we can with the help of a great resource And I've been mentioning this periodically, and it just happens to be, the book happens to be the same name as our radio program, our podcast program, The Universe Next Door. What a coincidence. What a a coincidence, yes. Well, uh, the late James Sire, who just passed away a little over a year and a half ago, he was uh, just an outstanding scholar, but also speaker, but also mentor, to many of us, I just counted it one of my highest joys and bl- blessings and privileges of my life to have been mentored by the great James Sire, probably the, the number one expert in, in the last generation uh, from a Christian point of view of understanding the great worldviews of our time and how to interact with them and bringing the truth of Christ to bear uh, and to expose, as it were, the issues and the internal you know, issues of, of inconsistency that are 
not too hard to see in those worldviews. Today's worldview is existentialism. And I'm referring, if you have seen or maybe even have a copy of the book, The Universe Next Door, in my version, in the third edition I'm, I'm holding in my hand, it is chapter 6, and it's, uh, and it's called Beyond Nihilism. And we were talking about nihilism, or sometimes it's pronounced nihilism, but I, I'm opting for the, one of the other uh, pronunciations, nihilism. Nihilism, we said, was the worldview that uh, denies not only that there is a definitive answer to the question, who are we, where did we come from, you know, what is the ultimate stuff that everything stems from, what we call prime reality, but nihilism really, in a way, attacks even the notion that we have something to live for that we have a purpose. And that is not very livable. Nick, if I said there is no purpose for living, bank on that. How would you feel? No, a, not very good. And neither a, neither did the people that came up with these ideas. I mean, some of them went crazy. Some, some of them. them. We, we talked about Kurt Cobain. Yeah. Which uh, took his life. I oh, think, yeah. He eventually. shot him. Frederick Nietzsche went insane. Yes, and, we went insane. And, and he is considered at least a contributor to the vein of thinking and philosophizing that led to uh, the more modern view of nihilism. We uh, might even say, um, eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow we die. The phrase actually appears in one of Paul's epistles as he's kind of making uh, that hopelessness, that statement of purposelessness, um, a kind of a, a slogan of even some of the people in his era. And so what is not livable must be escaped from. In other words, people who confront fully the consequences or the, the true therefores, in other words, the results in the, practical, uh, in the practical terms of nihilism, realize they just can't live that way. They can't sustain on a daily basis the emotional baggage you know they cannot actually find it live livable and so there are two major according to the book that Jim Sire crafted two major escape routes that the modern man has come up with one of which is Eastern religions and we have taken a look at that already with Buddhism I kind of slipped that in early um, but the other one is existentialism. Now, when the book by Jim Sire first came out in the late 70s, existentialism it was still hot, hot, hot. You know, <laughs> if you read philosophies, it was near the top of like the coolest, you know, grooviest, uh, most amazing. What's that all about? I think I maybe want to be an existentialist, you know, for people who had rejected the the church background that they had grown up with. And then it it kind of declined. It's been in a slow decline since the late 70s, but it's still there. It still hovers yeah. on the outskirts. People realize, wait, if this book is true, it doesn't matter. Why am I reading it? <laughs> yeah. So I want to just dive straight into existentialism. I'm, I've been blessed to, in my undergraduate days, in the late um, 60s, literally in the early 70s, to uh, have personal 
uh, encounter with one of the great scholars of existentialism of this last century, uh, Dr. Walter Kaufmann, K-A-U-F-M-A-N-N. He is the author of many books on Nietzsche and existentialism, and I took his course at Princeton, Hegel, Nietzsche, and Existentialism. And we were required to read, for example, some of the most important existentialists, including the Christian existentialists. Wait, you mean there's a Christian existentialist? Yes, there was. One of the founders of existentialism is none other than um, Kierkegaard, or as you may uh, have understood if you ever went to Denmark like we did two years ago. In Danish, they pronounce it Kierkegaard. Did you hear that right? Yeah, I think so. Kierkegaard, <laughs> like O-R on the end. Okay. So, but if you want, if, if you and I want to pronounce it Kierkegaard, that's that's okay too. But uh, Soren Kierkegaard, or Kierkegaard, again, the Danish pronunciation, is the author of a number of key books, and Fear and Trembling was the one that we read, and it's an amazing book. Uh, very, very gripping. Uh, I enjoyed it totally. Uh, not sure if I completely understood it at the end of my first reading. And I actually wrote a paper uh, at the end of the semester which captured the essence of what Abraham was facing as he was told by God to sacrifice his own son. And so, and so, uh, and that's where the idea of existentialism kind of divides into two options there's the religious view, and there's the non religious view, which is ag- basically agnostic or atheist. So that's the first thing for me to stress. When people say, oh, existentialism, that's an atheist point of view. Um, Not technically, yes. That tends to, in the 20th century, the religious option, the religious flavor, the religious side of existentialism tends to be left in the dust. And you hardly ever hear about it. And that's why when, for example, uh, Nick, you and I had a chance here earlier today to take a look into the letters of, of C.S. Lewis. Did you find those yeah. inter- entertaining? Oh, yeah, really interesting. Yeah. So several of the letters of C.S. Lewis, and especially in the 50s and early 60s, as he was writing to his fellow scholars, he had read a, um, an actual book called Existentialism is a Humanism, and he had read it in the French edition by the atheist existentialist Sartre, S-A-R-T-R-E. And Sartre, or Sartre uh, was known for his bold, his daring, you know, I assert meaning in the absence of God. Uh, I just, I declare that I have meaning. So it's like standing up and saying, I don't care if there is no meaning, I create meaning by declaring it so. Yeah. It's almost like, almost like, a, like the Antichrist. Yeah, oh, it's like you know, meaningless meaning. Yeah, yeah. Like, so I, so there is no Christ. So I will take the the, the place of Christ. So that's the like the, like I said, the atheist side. And 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 Lewis basically said, I I find Sartre kind of a a clever wordsmith, a great rhetorician. You know, kind of a interesting to read, but not the basis for any kind of livable or credible philosophy. Is that would you say that's what you got from? Yeah, the, and from I, the I think. No, I think uh, nihilism may have been a little more consistent. I mean, at least you don't pretend there's meaning when there can't be. Exactly, exactly. I think that, yeah, nihilism is a little bit more honest. So um, uh, Albert Camus, another one of these, uh, by the way, Heidegger and Camus were existentialists. 
But you want to know that one of the funny things? They denied that they were existentialists. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> so a badge of honor for existentialism is you stand up and say, I'm not, I'm not an existentialist. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's got to be one of the funniest things about existentialism. About half of them say, I'm not an existentialist. Yes, you are. You no, are. I'm not. Yes, you are. Yeah. I just think that's hilarious. So Albert Camus wrote, a literature of despair. And that's a key word. Let me just emphasize despair. And that's really a word that haunts. That's like, that's what gives rise to, I assert, I assert I have meaning. I face this world of meaninglessness. God is fading from existence. So I assert in the face of this despair, my own meaning. My actions have meaning, have relevance, have eternal consequence. So back to Albert Camus. Uh, Albert Camus wrote, quote, a literature of despair is a contradiction in terms. In the darkest depths of our nihilism, I have sought only for the means to transcend nihilism. Transcend means get, get over the fence, yeah. get over the barrier to escape from nihilism. Here, uh, according to Jim Sire, the essence of existentialism's most important goal is summed up in one phrase, to transcend nihilism. And so what he's really saying here, in a nutshell, is that nihilism is the problem, and we've got to escape it. We've got to, we've got to get out of this place. <laughs> Have you ever heard that old rock song? <laughs> I can't even remember who wrote it, but uh, it really kind of captures the, the feel, you know, the sense of existentialism. And so from the outset, it's important to recognize that existentialism takes basically these two forms. There's the religious, and then there's the more uh, or theistic, and then there's more of the atheistic. And so we're talking basically about the atheistic ex existentialism, and that's what uh, James Sire does in his book, The Universe Next Door. Okay, point one, uh, they believe about the world, the cosmos, is that it's composed completely and only of matter. But, here's the, here's the kicker, to human beings, Reality appears in two forms, or subjective and objective. Aha, there's a wrinkle, you see? Yeah. So if I consider subjectively, then, then, then to me, as a person, it has something different than what the scientist reads out. Mm -hmm. So there's, it's like a two-level side to it. And this is where even in the work of Francis Schaeffer... He saw in existentialism a desire to escape and to go to a higher realm where religion had its like safe haven away from the gaze of the scientist. Okay, number two, what about human beings? Human beings, okay. Sire says this, for human beings alone, existence precedes essence. Okay, now you may say, well, what does that mean? Let me repeat that. Existence precedes essence. That is, people make themselves who they are. Okay, Sartre said, the French existentialism said, uh, and this is probably one of the most famous quotes, uh, most commonly seen, if God does not exist, there is at least one being in whom existence precedes essence, a being who exists before he can be defined by any concept, and this being is man. Hmm, sounds heavy. <laughs> yeah. So you think about it. Yeah, 
Well, Sartre continues, first of all, man exists, turns up, appears on the scene, and only afterwards gets around to defining himself. Yeah. Well, if he created himself, he would have to be beyond existence. Yes. I so think I need, to, I need to hire you as my new budding philosopher. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Philosoph- philosophical assistant. Okay, so again, there's objective or scientific truth and then subjective worlds. Okay, let's move to point three. Each person, according to, again, existentialism, each person is totally free as regards their nature and destiny. So this is not like they can prove it scientifically, because remember, scientific proof, that's over in the objective side. This is in the uh, this is in the subjective side, and they assert they just stand up and I declare I assert I I brand myself as totally free in regarding my nature and my destiny. So they 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 would say that within that is in in my internal being there I I am I am free to create my own value to create my own worth. I don't care what the objective world outside you know the clocks that are ticking away and the electrons that are spinning inside the the atoms of my of my body my value is is inner and i just sense it okay when that has a great attractiveness especially if you rejected god it's almost like you're sneaking in the back door of a religious new religious concept yeah or, or you're just inserting the stuff god does without god without god yes you're making yourself a little god and which is very, you know, seductive. Okay, point four, the highly wrought and tightly organized objective world stands over and against human beings and appears absurd. And one of the most common words used by the existentialist is, this is absurd, the theater of the absurd. <laughs> and so we already, you know, talked about uh, some of the these uh, kind of consistently cropping up um, words um, that that kind of dominate existentialism. Despair is one, and absurdity is another. And, you know, we're running out of time, so I think what, what really, because we, we've just opened up the door to existentialism, and, and we're not yet ready to uh, give the full solution or answer to existentialism, I think what we should do is for me to... Um, conclude our, our program on existentialism next week it's kind of you know just extend it into a second week and that way I can bring in some of C.S. Lewis's comments some of those quotes that we you and I were able to dig up mm-hmm. but uh, so let me just kind of point out that um, the story of existentialism is really parallel to the story of every one of us that is we're trying to get to the bottom of a great mystery and I'll just uh, close this week by telling the true story of Jean-Paul Sartre. At the end of his life, he sensed that he had come to the end of his rope. Not the end of the rope of, of um, just figuring out existentialism, but he had an inner tugging on his heart that maybe his atheism did not have firm ground, that maybe that God did exist. And the true story was told Get this, um, by Jim Sire himself, when we invited him to Tampa Bay, he researched and found that, that Sartre, just weeks before he died in Paris, called in a member of the clergy to his apartment, much to the anger of his live-in 
girlfriend at the time who just basically moved out. And he turned to Christ. He admitted to this uh, clergyman that God was God, that he had violated God's standards, and that he needed a Savior. And this went viral. This went public through a local newspaper the week that he died. That is not just a story that's true. One of the great atheists, one of the great existentialists, Jean-Paul Sartre, received Christ. And you know, anyone listening to this program could do that too, if you're at the edge of your existential decision. Reach out to us at apologetics.org. See you back here next week on The Universe Next Door. You've been listening to The Universe Next Door with Dr. Tom Woodward, sponsored by the C.S. Lewis Society and Trinity College of Florida and supported through the gifts of listeners just like you. To gather resources, continue the conversation, and support The Universe Next Door with your financial gifts, go to apologetics.org. That's apologetics.org. And join us again next time as we continue to seek the truth about life, faith, and worldview in The Universe Next Door. Next door.